I want to dismiss our uh, school-age kids at the back. Woo. And thank you guys. Holy smokes. We're going to be uh, in the book of John. We'll probably start in John 13 tonight, if you want to go ahead and turn that in your Bibles. My friend Gabe back there. On Good Friday, uh, we stop and we pause and we reflect. You know, there's uh, all these stories in the history of the world. You know, you grow up, grew up in America, and we hear the stories of how our country came to be and these major milestones in the life of our country and, and the world that you learn about. Uh, but tonight, we are here because of the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. the most powerful act of love the world has ever seen. That the cross was this decisive blow in this cosmic battle that we can't fully see or understand, but we do know this, when he said it was finished, it struck a decisive blow that changed literally the world. That we're sitting in a gym at a private school because of the work of the cross. It's that powerful. But it's also so personal that I can't get through those songs without singing because he knows all of my sins. Yet his mercy is more. And that's why we're here tonight. And it's why you, you sense the presence of God. Amen because we have this beautiful just gift to come together as the body of Christ. And if you're not a believer tonight, man, what a time to be here and to see about the person, the work, and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you look at the cross and reflect on the cross, and there's these certain, there's emotions that just come up. There's, of course, I think maybe the first, this just conviction, right? There's this conviction of my sins, Jason Wood's sins put him there. Your sins put him there. And there's this just real sense of love that for God so loved the world that he sent his son to pay the price for our sins. There's nothing more loving than someone laying down their life for their friends. And there's this feeling of hope of when the world seems really, really dark. And friends, it seems dark right now, doesn't it? I've, you know, even you think about school shootings. You think about the fact the world just can't seem to get along at all. Everywhere you go, there is dissension, there's fighting, there's just ugliness in the world. And it just seems almost hopeless. But we look at the cross and there's hope. There's hope had a dream. Uh, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday uh, of this week. And it was one of those dreams where it was very vivid. And I don't remember much of the dream, but I remember this. I had these flashes of my kids' faces, but they were like five years younger. You know those pictures, especially the voices of your kids when, they get, when they're younger, right? 
They're so sweet and high. And, um, and I, had this, I had this picture and I woke up just like almost sobbing, honestly. But I cry a lot. That's pretty normal in my household. Um, but I was just so heavy. And here is the feeling that I had. I think you relate to it. Is that life was just moving, right? Like it's just moving. And then this, this real sense that I'm missing it. Does that make sense? Like life is happening, friends. And then I was just kind of in my little bed reflecting on the things that I carry with me day to day, right? The worries, the stresses, the fights with people, all the, my own just dumb habits. I'm just missing out on so many things. And it, and it hit me as I was studying just the life and death of Jesus this week that what I was aching for was a different kingdom. Just, I want for my kids, for my spouse, for us, I want the kingdom of Jesus Christ here on earth as it is in heaven. Like I, I ache sometimes because I miss it with the busyness of life. And then I'm praying and praying and just working on just this whole night, this week. And God, that tonight's a gift for us, church, because I believe you're a lot like me in this room. That you're living and you're worrying and you're living and you're doing all these things. And we're missing the beauty, the slowness the richness of the kingdom of God. And here's my prayer tonight, that Good Friday 2023 would be smelling salts to a distracted people, that he would wake us up to the reality of his kingdom here on earth that he ushered in through his life and death. My hope is that we'd wake up. And Luke and Jamie have kind of walked us through, Jamie, this beautiful picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Luke, on that Good Friday, the accounts of that day, the, the links he went for us. And here is, here is the goal tonight. I don't got much for you, um, but I want us to see Jesus tonight. We're gonna look at the works of Jesus and really his final hours and what it means and how it was this picture of his entire ministry. Because here is the goal of the ministry of Jesus. It's this right here. It was to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It was to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Mark 1.15 says this, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. This is the, the ushering of the ministry of Jesus. And he says, I am here. The kingdom has come near to humanity. And he says, repent and believe in the good news. And the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, we've been in this series on prayer. He says, pray for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. He came to bring a new rule. Got my old school notes tonight. Um, I normally use uh, an iPad, but Sunday my iPad went out during the welcome and I was too scared on Good Friday to chance it. So we're old school tonight, amen. And so the goal of Jesus Hear this, hear this, it's good news for us, was to bring the kingdom close to us. 
there's this kingdom, this worldly kingdom that sucks our lives dry. And for our time tonight, we're going to get five ways, five ways that Jesus brought his kingdom near to us. John 13. This is the passage Jamie read. And I want to read, and we saw here he served his disciples. He also served his enemy, didn't he? Because Judas's feet left clean that night. He had clean feet that ran to betray him. And I love this phrase in verse two, in verse, in verse one, actually. It says, he loved them to the end. What a beautiful picture of friendship from our Jesus, isn't it? He loved them to the end. And they were a pain in the butt. And they were a pain, but he loved them to the end. The first thing we see, the first way that he entered and brought the kingdom is he modeled it. He modeled the kingdom life for his people. He wasn't that guy that said, hey, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that. He was the leader who went first. You know that great Sermon on the Mount, right, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Go love your enemies. He didn't just say those words. He lived those words out to the very end. He went first. And he modeled this, right, as he washed their feet. He modeled this, honestly, by coming down from heaven as a baby to serve humanity. He modeled this all the way to the cross as he served and sacrificed to usher in his kingdom. That the way of the kingdom is upside down. The way of this kingdom is to take and take and take. The way of the kingdom of Jesus is to serve. And he modeled that for his followers. But if that wasn't clear enough, go to verse 34. And we see the second way that he brought his kingdom near. He says here, a new commandment I give you. This is like very direct, very clear. Jesus saying, this is what I want you to do. That you love one another. Okay, I, I can love, we can love each other. The next phrase, just as I have loved you. Okay, the ante's been raised just now. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the first thing, he modeled it. Second way, he commanded it. He, he commanded this new kingdom way. And hear this, church, it's a kingdom of love. What he was saying is that his people, his church would not be known for their doctrine, would not be known for their great preaching, thank goodness, not known for this or for that. They'd be known for one thing, church, their love for one another as he loved us. In case it wasn't clear when I washed your feet, here's the new way, friends. It's to love one another. So we see in this first way, he kind of modeled loving your enemy. And here he commands the church, the people of God, to love one another. And this is tough for us in a modern age where there's all kinds, it's not just we love the people of covenant church, right? That'd be a great start. We just loved each other really well in the way of Jesus. But this also means that we love the Presbyterians and the, and the Charismatics 
and all the different weird people in our city, right, that love Jesus in ways that we don't love Jesus, right? He is saying that the world will know how I love by how you love one another. And friends, that's convicting. But remember, we're getting closer and closer to the cross, right? The ultimate picture of loving one another. So he modeled, he commanded, and we had John 17. After this great supper and after he washed their feet and after he kind of taught them these kind of new kingdom ways, this new commandment, he, he gets by himself and he prays. And in John 17, 1 through 19, we see him, we praise for his people, his disciples. He prays for Peter and James and John and all those men and the women who followed him. They would stay and be protected by God. He prayed for them, but then it switches. Look at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Friends, he prays for us. He prays for us. This is, this is so intimate because before he died for us, he prayed for us. Let's keep going. And he prays this and he commanded that they all may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. That what he started with his disciples would go on for generation to generation to generation and that we would reflect this same glory thousands of years ago with him and his friends with us today. And he says that we would be one as him and the Father are one. I want to remind us that the Godhead has been one forever, for all of eternity. And they're not just like, you know, like, oh, it's God the Father. Hey, God the Father, I'm God the Son. It's not like that. <laughs> we see in this later here, it says that the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world, church. That they had this beautiful oneness, this beautiful unity that was just supernatural love for one another. Here, here's how I compare it. So, man, Lyle and Rachel, man, what a, what a good job they did earlier, man. And I, I would tell you, I would probably kill somebody if I could sing like that. I would love to, not murder somebody, yeah, that's not good. But I, I would love to sing just like that. Because here's this thing, when you hear people sing like that, you can't help but join in. When you hear a beautiful harmony, what do you want to do? You want to join the harmony and hear this church. Before there was a world, there was a beautiful harmony in the Godhead. And out of their love, they created us, right? And then we ran away. We hit the wrong note, right? We keep hitting the wrong note over and over and over again. But the church, friends, the church is the new harmony, isn't it? That as the world, as they hear the way that we love each other, it should be this beautiful worship song that honors God and attracts the world, right? Right? Because this great love we have for one another is just this beautiful harmony. But the enemy has come in, hasn't he? 
and we just miss notes after notes after notes. And that could discourage us if the story ended there. Because we see that our Jesus, as he brought his kingdom real close to us, he modeled by serving. He commanded to love one another. He prayed for us today. But listen, if God, if Jesus had just done those things, just modeled, taught, and prayed, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble because we could not handle it. Because the church might hit some wrong notes every once in a while, but the good news of Good Friday is that Jesus paid the price for the sins that we committed, for the way that we kept messing up. His faithfulness knows no bounds, friends. He just kept coming for us as people. So John 17 speaks this great union with God, the Father in him, him in us. But this union church that makes this kingdom possible. Friends, we cannot usher in the kingdom. Only the king can do that. And we were, we were stuck. We were stuck. We were the nerd outside the club with no pass to get in, right? We could not get in, friends. We couldn't do it. We were too dirty. But Hebrews 10 says this. Every priest stands day, day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. Here it goes. But this man, not good, but this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He dropped the mic. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Amen, church, right? For by one offering, he is perfected forever those who are sanctified. Let Jesus sing for us, church. Let's keep going. There was a sacrifice that was needed because we couldn't do it. We were always short. We couldn't, we couldn't measure up. We couldn't fix it. 2 Corinthians 5. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him, in him, we might become the righteous of God. It's in him. You know, what is, go, back to, go back to John 17. How's it start? In verse 20. But for those who believe in me through their word, not those who do this or do that. It's who believe in me. And on Good Friday, we stop, don't we? And we just look squarely at the person and the work of Jesus, at the spotless lamb and what he did on our behalf. We keep going in John, in John 19. And it gets heavy. Then Pilate took Jesus and he flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. Verse 17, they took Jesus. He went out bearing his own cross. I imagine Jesus being tired, the cross being so heavy. 
and being so alone. To the place of the skull, which is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus between them. This picture of the crucifixion, of the spotless lamb dying for us as this great substitute. But hear this, friends. He didn't just take a beating. This wasn't simply a sacrifice. This accomplished something. John 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he looked up, checklist done, the work done. He said this to fill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. They put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He wasn't just a sacrifice. He was sufficient sacrifice. And we see this fourth thing to usher in the kingdom. He accomplished it. He accomplished it. Yes, he modeled. Yes, he taught. Yes, he prayed. But friends, he finished the job. He accomplished it on our behalf. It's in light of this work on the cross where he accomplished what we can never do. We can never do it. That we pause and reflect and we move towards the Lord's Supper. Please take your supplies and go ahead and remove the wafer. And we start with the body. We saw in John 19 as he carried the cross, as his body was bruised, exhausted, bloodied, beaten. His body, friends, was literally broken for us. His body broke to create this new body, the family of God. Pray with me. Dear Lord, your body was broken but it was sufficient. We love you. We thank you. Now as one, partake of the body, body of Christ broken for you. And now I move the juice as we finish this wafer, which points us to the blood of Christ that was shed for us to cover our sins. Because the blood of Christ, when God sees me, he sees a perfect spotless lamb. We reflect on that crown of thorns and the piercings from the nails and the blood that was gushing from the body of our Savior. This blood's poured out for us. Pray with me. Dear Lord, Savior, we thank you for the sufficient blood of Jesus that washes away the sins of those who put their faith in him. Now as one, partake of the blood, the blood of Christ shed for you.
beautiful communion that reminds us through the taste and the smells of this finished work of Jesus. In church, it is finished. As we have looked at these chapters, last few things of John in these last hours of Jesus, we see this work that he did to bring us back into relationship with the, to fix the mess that we had made in humanity. But there's one more thing that we see to usher in his kingdom. Go to John 20. This is days later after he had resurrected. Here in verse 19, he says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine? And then hear this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So church, see this. He modeled the kingdom. He taught the kingdom. He prayed for it to come. He finished the job. And now he sends. He sent his apostles. Church, he sends us today. Not only he sends us, he sends us in the same way that he was sent. Here's what that means. He was sent to serve, right? So we as the church, what do we do? We serve. We're playing a different song than the rest of the world. When the world hates their enemies, the church sings a different song. The church loves their enemies. When the world says the church should be divided because of this, because of that, and this, and that, we sing a different song. We go out in the way of Jesus. And when the world says shame, shame, you're not enough, do this, do that, the church looks to the cross and says, no, it is finished. I am free. We're free to love. We're free to serve. We're free to be made nothing so that Christ's name and Christ's kingdom can be lifted high. And church, that's abundant life right there, isn't it? And Good Friday, the death of Jesus, us being here, we cannot get away from it. So what do we do? So Jesus has done all this. He has done the work. So what is the response of God's people? Three words. And it's catchy too. It's to leave, believe, and receive. It rhymes. To leave, believe, and receive. Mark 1, as he ushers in his kingdom, what does he say? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. I know there's many people in this room, myself included, as we look at the work of Jesus, there are things in our life that are preventing us from being with him. 
that are, that are sucking the joy, the belief out of our lives. I don't know what it might be, but it's this right here. It's that we're living in the pig pen and he's saying, no, leave that behind. Leave behind. Leave the junk food behind. I have a table right here prepared for you, the best food in the world. Leave, leave. It's my question for us today. What is the thing in your life that's preventing you from this kingdom? Leave. It may hurt for a minute, but you're exchanging the slop for the steak. Leave. We don't just leave those behind. We go to something. We run to something. We look to something. We believe with childlike faith. In our bones, there's nothing but we have childlike faith. We believe in the king, in the finished work of Jesus. Can I tell you the best way to grow in belief? Just keep looking to him. Like, where's our attention? That was what got me this week was my attention. Where is my attention? Many times your attention dictates your belief. The things that we give attention to somehow get a hold on our hearts and our minds and our belief. So we leave, we believe, but here's the beauty. So we turn away from the world and with childlike faith set our attention on him. We receive the presence of our father and the power that comes with that. Go to uh, verse 23 in John 17 very quickly. I think many times we think that Jesus put some kind of fake perfume on us, the Father could be around us. That we were so gross, so beyond repair that we had no hope. Jesus prays this, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Church, hear this today. The Father loves you. The Father loves you in such a way he sent his son to rescue you from your sin. And the beauty of us leaving and believing and receiving is that we receive the love of the Father. And I believe all of us in this, we're looking for something. We are aching for something. And what we're looking for is the love of the Father. When we find the love of the Father, we will sell everything to find him again, to leave, believe, and receive. So I'm gonna end with this. What is God putting in front of you tonight? You're not here by accident. God has us here. What is your step tonight? Is there something you need to leave behind? Do you need to cultivate belief and faith in him? Have you ever received the love of the Father and his presence and his power? What is God putting in front of you tonight? I'm gonna pray for us and the, the band's gonna come back. But if you wanna pray with someone, we'll have a prayer team in the back. You can come to the altar. However we can serve you, just please let us know. What is the step that God's putting in front of you tonight? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the power of the cross that he who knew no sin became sin that we might have life and have it abundantly. Thank you for the most unfair trade in the history of the world. And so, Father, help us respond tonight.
let, let, the, let, the, let the voice of the Spirit of God uh, convict us and not let us be led to shame tonight, Father. But I do ask for the work of conviction. We can't look at the cross and not be convicted. But if I let, let our conviction lead us to you. Your work is sufficient. It is finished. Let us simply turn to you. I ask. I pray all this in your name. Amen.